Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to Alphacast fourth quarter 2020 financial results conference call. My name is Megan and I will be your operator for today's call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. If you have any difficulties hearing the conference, please press star zero for operator assistance at any time. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. As a reminder, this conference call is being broadcast live on the internet and recorded. I would now like to turn the conference call over to Adam McKnight, Director, Investor Relations. Please go ahead, Mr. McKnight. Thanks, Megan. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Altagas's fourth quarter and full year 2020 financial results conference call. Speaking on the call this morning will be Randy Crawford, President and Chief Executive Officer, and James Harbalis, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. We're also joined here this morning by Randy Toon, Executive Vice President and President of our Midstream business, Lou Jenkins, Executive Vice President and President of our Utilities Business, and John Morrison, Senior Vice President, Investor Relations and Corporate Development. In addition to the fourth quarter press release, financial statements, and MD&A that were released earlier today, we've also published a Q4 earnings summary presentation that we may refer to at select points during our prepared remarks. The presentation, which walks through the quarter and highlights some of the key variances and one-time items, that we would assume would be helpful for the market is available on our website under events and presentations. As always, today's prepared remarks will be followed by a question and answer period. And I'll remind everyone that we will be available after the call for any follow-up or detailed modeling questions. We'll proceed on the basis that everyone has has taken the opportunity to review the press release and our fourth quarter results. Before we begin, We also remind everyone that we will refer to forward-looking information on today's call. This information is subject to certain risks and uncertainties as outlined in the forward-looking information disclosure on slide two of our investor presentation, uh, which can be found on our website and more fully within our public disclosure filings on both CDAR and EGGAR. For the structure of the call, we'll start with Randy Crawford, providing some comments on our 2020 financial performance, the Petrogas integration, and what you can expect on the road ahead for Alta Gas. Followed by James Harbalis, providing a more detailed walkthrough of the financial results and our near-term outlook. And then we'll leave plenty of time at the end for the Q&A session. With that, I'll now turn the call over to Randy Crawford. Good morning, everyone. The past year was one like we have not seen and included great disruption across every part of the globe. Despite these challenges, Altagas persevered and delivered robust financial and operational results that yielded positive outcomes for all our stakeholders. We delivered 14% earnings per share growth while building Altagas organizational capacity and advancing our corporate strategy. We executed one of the largest capital programs in our history with more than 900 million of organic CapEx deployed. We also invested another 715 million to advance our global export strategy 
through taking operational responsibility of Petrogas and now controlling both operational LPG export terminals on the North American West Coast. And through it all, we positioned Altagas to excel in an evolving ecosystem, the energy transition that is upon us. We have built a culture that is geared to deliver outstanding results for our stakeholders. It's focused on performance, it's fueled by accountability, and it's underpinned by collaboration and pushing the envelope. For two years running, we have delivered normalized EPS growth that has materially eclipsed all of our U.S. gas utility and Canadian midstream peers. Our stock performance was also at the top of our peer group for the second year running. Amid this performance, we have continued to improve our balance sheet and our credit position. We have de-risked the platform in numerous ways, and we have built a more sustainable business. The past year was also an environment that provided us validation of the resiliency of the platform, our people, and the purposeful actions we have taken over the past two years to create an enduring business that is focused on creating long-term value for all of our stakeholders. We also take great pride in being able to play a part in lending a helping hand to the communities where we serve during this time of need. There are four key areas I wanted to touch on today before turning the call over to James. This includes our 2020 financial performance, Petrogas integration, our role in evolving energy market, and what you can expect on the road ahead for Alta Gas. In terms of 2020 performance, our utilities business demonstrated the strong and resilient performance that we work hard to achieve, delivering 21% year-over-year normalized EPS growth. This provides us with high confidence that we will capture the full value of our industry-leading 8% rate base CAGR through 2025. We continue to realize the benefits of our acute capital discipline, judicious management of our cost, reduction of incoming leaks, which were down more than 15% year over year, and our regulatory cases that are designed to deliver better customer outcomes and keep our rates in line with our current operating and planned cost structure. We successfully closed the ROE gap by approximately 150 basis points in 2020 in line with our target. This keeps us on track to close the remaining 150 BIPs gap and achieve our allowed return over 2021. The DC and Maryland rate cases we filed in 2020 are expected to have an impact at the start of the second quarter of 2021. In December 2020, we reached a settlement agreement with the DCP Public Service Commission that included a revenue increase of a US $19.5 million. DC currently has the largest gap between our earned and allowed returns, and this rate case is the first since 2016. So it will go a long way towards closing the ROE gap at WGL. The updated DC rates have been approved to become effective April 1st. Within our midstream business, we made significant progress in advancing our global export strategy, including a full year of operations at Ripit and acquiring Petrogas and the Ferndale Export Terminal. We also completed the North Pine and Townsend 2B expansions, which significantly increased our processing and fractionation capacity within the Montney region. Altagas core throughput volumes in the region increased by 16% year-over-year in Q4 2020, as customers continue to grow into contractual agreements at Townsend and North Pine. Recent upstream consolidation has provided us significantly improved counterparty credit risk. Upstream consolidation transactions build scale, create financially stronger companies which support the longer-term growth plans in the region and align with our thesis to build an industry-leading footprint in Northeast BC. In 2020, 
we made significant progress on our operational logistics capabilities at RepIt. After a rocky start to the fourth quarter due to logistics difficulties, we achieved our 50,000 barrels a day exit rate target by exporting approximately 50,600 barrels a day in December 2020 and January 2021. In 2020, we exported 27 BLGCs, which contained approximately 1.2 million metric tons or 15 million barrels of Western Canadian propane to Asia, providing tangible benefits to the Canadian upstream and midstream industries. We took advantage of this strengthening in the forward FEI curve for propane in Asia by locking in hedges at healthy spreads late in Q4 and early Q1. Currently, we have just approximately 70% of RIPIT's expected exports hedged for 2021, which includes 35% underpinned by tolling agreements and the balance coming from financial hedges at approximately $10.25 a barrel FEI to Mount Bellevue throughout the year. From a timing standpoint, we're approximately 90% hedged in the first quarter and 65% hedged for the remainder of the year. In terms of Petrogas integration, although we are in the early days, Petrogas employees have already been a great cultural fit within Altagas, and we are seeing benefits of their deep midstream and energy export knowledge and experience. We have been busy embracing the best practices of the combined organization and have learned a great deal from each other in terms of driving operational excellence across our logistics and maritime shipping practices. We remain highly confident of being able to realize the 30 million in run rate cost savings and logistics optimization opportunities that we originally identified for 2021. Petrogas Calgary employees will move into Altagas offices in the coming weeks, and we are taking purposeful steps for accelerated integration and ensuring that the best ideas and practices rise within the larger organization. The addition of Ferndale effectively doubled our LPG export capacity to approximately 100,000 barrels a day, with the ability to expand to an excess of 130,000 barrels a day in the coming years with minimal capital investment. The Petrogas assets also provide us with greater access to NGL supply and storage in Fort Saskatchewan, which further advances our energy export value proposition and supports further volume growth. The integration of the commercial and operational knowledge and experience of Petrogas employees, along with the Altagas people, and the platform will yield large dividends to our stakeholders. We exited 2020 and began 2021 on a very strong footing, shipping five cargoes in December, four cargoes in January, and we are on track to ship five cargoes in February. As we continue to move towards a more decarbonized ecosystem, we believe natural gas will play a critical part as the transition fuel of the future. Our utilities distribution network is comprised of critical infrastructure that enables us to deliver low carbon natural gas today and provides a foundation for delivery of carbon-free solutions in the years ahead, including renewable natural gas and hydrogen. It is for this reason that we place a strong emphasis on our accelerated pipeline replacement program spending within WGL as it replaces aging infrastructure and reduces methane emissions through leak remediation. It first and foremost improves the safety and reliability delivery of cleaner and affordable energy that is critical to keep society moving forward while preserving optionality for delivery of carbon-free fuels in the future. We have a demonstrated track record of delivering on this initiative through other parts of Alta Gas, including our SEMCO operations in Michigan, where we have reduced emissions by 50% since 2010, and we continue to advance these environmental stewardship initiatives across the Alta Gas platform. 
In addition, our ability to deliver lower carbon emitting fuels to Asia through our midstream platform creates potential for us to help lower global carbon emissions. Our combined LPG export capacity at Ripit and Ferndale has the potential to reduce the equivalent of 500,000 average Asian citizens' total carbon footprints per year when compared to using more carbon-intensive fuels like thermal coal. We are also undergoing engineering work on various emission reduction opportunities across our midstream network with a focus on steadily reducing Altagas emissions intensity over time. Altagas has a long history of operating with social purpose and delivering strong environmental stewardship. You can expect that same from us in the years ahead. Looking ahead, we are steadfast in our goal to reduce leverage to below five times net debt to EBITDA over the medium term as our credit ratings and de-risking plans remain the top priority. We will continue to execute our strategy and take advantage of our distinctive utilities and midstream businesses that are well positioned to deliver strong and highly visible growth. In the year ahead, we remain acutely focused on one, optimizing returns through previously deployed capital as there is simply no greater way to create value for our stakeholders than improving the returns on the capital has already been deployed. Two, growing our midstream segment through the investments we have made in Northeast BC and our global export platform, where we have deployed more than $2 billion of capital in the past four years. And three, making disciplined investments in our utilities platform and provide steady returns and having, well, having a positive environmental impact. It is with this approach that we are building a diversified, low-risk, high-growth utilities and midstream business that is delivering resilient and durable value for our stakeholders that should compound in the years ahead. And with that, I will turn the call over to James. Thank you, Randy, and good morning, everyone. Despite the immense challenges that were brought by COVID-19 and the economic and social societal disruptions that came as a result, we're pleased that our diversified platform delivered another solid quarter to conclude a successful year. 2020 normalized EBITDA of 1.31 billion landed in the upper end of the guidance range that we set at the start of the year, while 2020 normalized EPS of 142 eclipsed the top end of our guidance range. These results continue to highlight the strong underlying resilience of the platform and the purposeful actions that we've taken over the past two years to refocus the company. As we have said in the past, we are acutely focused on creating durable value for our stakeholders and providing steady and compounding returns over time. Our utilities business, which represents approximately 60% of EBITDA, continues to provide stable and reliable earnings and experienced only moderate challenges in 2020 associated with usage, bad debt expense, and other factors underpinned by COVID-19. Our midstream business, where approximately 65% of EBITDA is underpinned by take or pay or fee-for-service arrangements, has less direct commodity exposure and continues to provide stable and predictable results. We also continue to take steps to de-risk the platform in areas where we do have commodity price exposure, and that can be seen through the active hedging program we undertook in recent months in relation to both our merchant exposure at Ripit and the frac-exposed output in 2021. Despite the challenging environment, we achieved normalized EPS of 53 cents in the fourth quarter and 142 for the full year, with the latter representing a 14% year-over-year increase and was well above our 2020 guidance range of 120 to 130 per share. Normalized EBITDA for the quarter was 392 million and 1.31 billion for the full year, landing in the upper half of our guidance range of 1.275 
to 1.325 billion. Similar to last quarter, I want to highlight a couple of large one-time items in 2019 that were not present in 2020 and are important in understanding our business performance. This includes $117 million of lost EBITDA from asset sales and a $21 million tailwind associated with a contract settlement in Q4 2019 at Petrogas, which was not repeated this quarter. Excluding these items, our full-year adjusted run rate EBITDA was up approximately 12% year-over-year within our core business. These one-time impacts and major year-over-year variances are laid out in our Q420 earnings presentation, which is available on our website and intended to provide additional color to better understand our operating performance in an open and transparent manner. The year-over-year growth within our core businesses was underpinned by strong execution within the utility segment and resilient performance within the midstream segment, despite a very challenging commodity price environment. Our full-year normalized 2020 utilities EBITDA was up 13% year-over-year, which was driven by the same capital, regulatory, and cost discipline that has been our focus over the past two years. Specific to the fourth quarter, our utility segment reported normalized EBITDA of $259 million compared to $260 million in Q4 2019. If we adjust for lost contribution due to asset sales and the one-time impact of the Virginia Hearing Examiner's report on Q4 2019, the utility segment run rate EBITDA increased by 4%. WGL's normalized EBITDA was $170 million in the fourth quarter, down $12 million year-over-year. Excluding the one-time $5 million impact associated with the Virginia Hearing Examiner's Report, WGL results were down approximately $7 million year-over-year. Factors impacting results included higher revenue from ongoing ARP spending that was more than offset by unseasonably warm weather within D.C. and COVID-19-associated costs. We made significant progress towards earning our allowed returns at WGL through our ongoing capital, regulatory, and cost discipline. We had a stated goal of closing the ROE gap at WGL by 150 basis points in 2020, and we met that target. We have another 150 basis points targeted in 2021 to be in a position of fully earning our allowed return in 2022 and beyond. In Michigan, SEMCO had another strong quarter contributing $41 million to normalized EBITDA, up $6 million year over year. The increase is a result of higher rates associated with 2019 rate case that came into effect in January 2020 and higher transport and gas services revenue, which was partially offset by warmer weather. In Alaska, NSTAR and SINGSA benefited from colder weather and contributed $25 million of normalized EBITDA for the quarter up $3 million over the same quarter last year as a result of usage and customer growth. Finally, normalized EBITDA from the retail energy marketing business was up $7 million year over year to $23 million in the fourth quarter on higher gas margins due to favorable commodity prices, higher volumes, and lower operating costs, which were somewhat offset by COVID-19 impacts related to electric margins and usage. Moving over to the midstream segment, we continue to see stability in the core business, absent some of the earlier headwinds that we experienced due to third-party logistical issues around RIPIT. Q4 normalized EBITDA of $128 million compared to $179 million in the same quarter of 2019. Excluding the previously mentioned one-time items in Q4, 2019 consisting of a $21 million tailwind from Petrogas contract settlement, 
and lost EBITDA from asset sales. Midstream fourth quarter normalized EBITDA declined modestly year over year. The largest contributing factors were a result of lower hedging gains in the company's U.S. storage business, lower realized margins at RIPIT due to higher tolling volumes, and lower margins on merchant exports, and higher logistical costs due to disruptions along the supply chain that were present in the early part of the quarter. These factors were partially offset by two weeks of petrogas consolidation and strong volume growth at our northeastern BC facilities. Ripit and Petrogas contributed $38 million of normalized EBITDA in Q4 2020, including Petrogas realizing equity earnings for the more than 80% of the quarter and Altagas only consolidating its earnings following the close of the acquisition on December 15. As noted earlier, Ripit's volumes in the first six weeks of the quarter were impacted by third-party logistical issues that carried over from the previously disclosed Q3 challenges. Positively, these issues were resolved in mid-November and strong execution in the back half of the quarter, we achieved our 50,000 barrels per day exit rate target. As we have highlighted in the past, continuing to de-risk the midstream platform remains a top priority for Alta Gas in 2021 through increasing export tolling arrangements at Ripit and Ferndale. We continue to see strong demand in Asia as economies have opened back up. Heating demand has been robust and petrochemical feedstock demand has increased with new facilities coming on stream to meet the growing demand for plastics globally, including robust demand for PP&E. We took advantage of this strengthening in the forward FEI curve for propane in Asia by locking in hedges at healthy spreads in late Q4 and early Q1. Currently, we have 70% of RIPIT's expected exports hedged for 21, which includes 35% underpinned by tolling agreements and the balance coming from financial hedges at approximately 10.25 a barrel FEI to Mount Bellevue throughout the year. This includes us being approximately 90% hedged in the first quarter at Ferndale. At Ferndale, we have tolling agreements in place with local refiners for a portion of the capacity, which is weighted to spring and summer months. As we continue to integrate the assets and optimize logistics between the two terminals, we expect to take a similar approach to de-risking at Ferndale as we have taken at Ripit over the long term. This includes increasing our tolling arrangements and hedging a greater amount of merchant volumes going forward. Our northeastern BC footprint continued to deliver steady increases as customers continue to grow into contractual agreements at the recently expanded Townsend and North Pine facilities. Excluding the one-time impact of maintenance work at Younger, our northeastern BC throughput volumes were up 16% in Q4. We had approximately 10,000 barrels of frac-exposed output in the quarter that was hedged and realized at an average frac spread of 13.95 a barrel. Interest expense was down $9 million year-over-year to $68 million in the fourth quarter due to lower average interest rates compared to 2019 as 2020 maturities were refinanced at lower rates and aligned with our ongoing focus to continue to stagger, extend, and de-risk Altagas' capital structure. Our capital focus in 2021 remains heavily weighted towards organic growth within our low-risk utilities platform that will deliver stable and transparent rate-based growth through accelerated replacement programs and system betterment that ensures a timely recovery of capital and strong risk-adjusted returns. Approximately 80% of our $910 million growth capital program will be directed towards our rate-regulated utilities, where approximately 46% 
will be directed to accelerated pipeline replacement programs. We continue to prioritize maximizing returns on previously deployed capital, and we are maintaining a capital-like program within our midstream business in 2021. This follows more than $2 billion of capital we have deployed in the past four years in Northeastern BC and within our global exports platform, including the $715 million we deployed on Petrogas in December. We are maintaining a disciplined approach to capital allocation within a self-funding model that will continue to strengthen our balance sheet and increase financial flexibility over the medium to longer term. We are steadfast in our goal to reduce our debt to EBITDA ratio to below five times in the medium term by prudently growing into our current debt levels and realizing the tailwinds of our strong rate-based growth within our utility segment and increasing utilization and volume growth within our midstream and energy export facilities. We will also look to take advantage of any incremental deleveraging opportunities where possible, including potential non-core asset sales that accelerate our deleveraging strategy. We are reiterating our original 2021 guidance that was released in December where we expect to achieve annual consolidated normalized EBITDA of 1.4 to 1.5 billion and normalized earnings per share of 145 to 155. And with that, I would now like to open the call to Q&A. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc thank you ladies and gentlemen we will now conduct the analyst question and answer session if you'd like to ask a question press star then the number one on your telephone keypad if you'd like to withdraw your question press the pound key there'll be a brief pause while we compile the q a roster our first question is from Patrick Kenny with National Bank Financial. Your line is open. Yeah, good morning, guys. Um, just given the volatility in, in the Far East Index spread this winter, does that help or hinder your ability to lock in new um, tolling agreements with customers? And perhaps you could just remind us what your target contracting level is by, say, year-end as a percentage of exports. Hi, Patrick. Uh, thank you for the question. Um, you know, clearly, um, you know, we're, we're, with the acquisition of, of Petrogas, you know, the ability to load more ships, um, and we have far more tools in our toolbox surrounding logistics and supply optimization and the balancing be, because of storage. So, you know, in regard to, you know, in 2021, you know, we're coming out of, of the COVID into uh, where commodity prices have recovered. And, and we've seen you know, some consolidation in the upstream sector, creating stronger entities, more, you know, more capability of making long-term commitments such as tolling. And so while FEI demand and prices remain strong uh, in the continue, we're, we're optimistic uh, about de-risking that platform and, 
and we were exploring um, alternative structures that would de-risk it and, and provide more incentives on tolling. So our target is to we're at 30. We've, over the past year, we've gotten to 35 percent at RIP at tolling, and our target is to exit uh, the year end uh, at 50 percent. And the spike in the spread this winter did that result in an increased level of inbound from potential customers? Oh, sure. I mean, really, we've said over time, Patrick, that this is the best market for the LPGs uh, that we provide for our customers. So, sure, there's there's lots of interest. My point is that you know things are working in terms of the consolidation in the upstream sector that make our you know, our producers and others stronger uh, and put them in, even in a better position to make longer term commitments such as tolling. Got it. Got it. Okay. And um, now with with both hands on the steering wheel at Petrogas. Randy, what are you seeing in terms of other opportunities outside of Ferndale? I know there's a decent storage footprint at Fort Saskatchewan, some other terminals scattered around North America. Just curious if you see some hidden value outside of the core propane export business and you know what you could uh, potentially realize over the next couple of years. No, it's a great question, and I'll let Randy answer some of that in a bit more detail. But you know, as a broader you know, kind of perspective, right? Um, you know, our, our LPG storage assets in, in Fort Saskatchewan, as well as our larger domestic presence that uh, Petrogas brings in, in the Gulf Coast as well, uh, is, is really uh, is something that we think we can leverage uh, in terms of our future growth uh, around our customers. Um, Randy, I'll go ahead and let you talk about some of those specific opportunities. Sure, sure. Uh, so, uh, with with Petrogas, they do have a, a, a more of a marketing presence uh, for NGLs, so both North American and uh, exports for both propane and butane. And so we feel that we can provide our uh, our customers a, a more of a better net back on those products, and that will add value to our processing business and hopefully lead to future growth uh, in, in those businesses as well. I mean, Patrick, and I'll just chime in. When you think about the, our you know, market optimization, supply chain uh, efficiencies, and, and really the strategic positioning around long-term contracting and access to the refineries um, and expansion uh, of logistics or improved logistics, uh, all are playing a role to, you know, to dramatically move, you know, increase the amount of product that we can move domestically as well as uh, to Asia in our export strategy. Okay, great. And, and last one for me, maybe for James. Sorry if I missed it, but just given your exposure to the to the U.S. dollar and the recent move here towards 80 cents, can you just update us on your FX hedging policy? And I guess at least until the balance sheet is below five times. Yeah, we um, so Patrick, it's uh, we we don't hedge our uh, translational exposures with respect to the balance sheet. So we do have a sensitivity in our. Financials where a five cent move would would impact um, EBITDA by about thirty five million dollars. But when you go to debt ratios, because we we have some U.S. dollar denominated debt, we would we would get a benefit in both the denominator and the numerator. So it, it doesn't really move the needle in ter- or in a negative way or a positive way in terms of those ratios. Uh, but our FX hedging does not deal with translational hedges. It, it does focus more on transactional hedges where we want to lock-in margin on, on certain U.S. dollar-denominated revenues. Okay, thanks for that. I'll leave it there, guys. Thanks. Your next question is from Rob Hope with Scotiabank. The line is open. 
Uh, morning, everyone. Uh, a follow-up on Patrick's question. Um, as you take a look at 2021 guidance, the environment, at least on the NGL side, has significantly improved, but we've seen kind of FX headwinds. So, you know, as you look at kind of the, you know, tailwinds and headwinds that you're seeing so far, were you able to capture, you know, strong marketing margins in Q1, which, you know, hopefully offsets the, uh, um, you know, the strengthening commodity, commodity strengthening FX. So just want to get a sense of how you're thinking about 2021 guidance. Yeah. Good morning, Rob. Thanks for the question. Uh, I guess the answer is yes. Um, as you know, um, with the acquisition of Petrogas, we have our Canadian LPG storage assets in the fort and the Gulf Coast, as well as our midstream business has natural gas storage assets in the mid-continent. And that does provide us opportunity and allows us uh, the opportunity to inject product, as you know, when prices are low and to withdraw when prices are high. So, um, you know, as well as really balancing our supply for our export business. So, Acquisition Petrogas has enhanced our ability to take advantage of these swings, and the team's done a really good job. All right. Uh, and then just a, a question on capital allocation. Um, you know, two things in the MDNA, you know, I thought were interesting. You know, one, the 40-megawatt standalone energy storage project in Galetta, California. Are you looking to do more on the energy side and reinvigorate kind of the, your energy business, as well as uh, a comment on um, potential asset sales in 2021? Are you still focused on um, some nearer-term stuff, or is it still – or I'll leave it there. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we're focused, uh, you know, strategically, as you know, that uh, on, on positioning our long-term strategy of diversity – by the utilities and midstream business to, you know, our, and so on, on the power side, where that's not not particularly the area of, of focus. And but you know, in terms of your asset sale, you know, we're committed to getting below and under the five times. And uh, you know, there's certainly scenarios where we could achieve that, um, exceed guidance in the non-core asset sales. But I point out that you know we have uh, you know ample liquidity. Uh, and that we're, you know, not committed to selling those assets at, at, and only committed to selling at the right price. So I think we're in excellent position from that perspective. But we'll, we'll, con- we'll continue to, to increase profitability and look at opportunities that, you know, can accelerate that deleveraging. Thank you. Thanks. Your next question is from Jeremy Turner with J.P. Morgan. Your line is open. Hi, this is Joe on, on for Jeremy. Um, maybe if I can just build off the, the last question a little bit. I know I think you know, if you could kind of go into the, the asset sales and, and, and what assets specifically. Um, I know you've talked about Blythe in the past um, and, and maybe kind of, I don't know, MVP looks like anything there could be later dated, but, but is there anything else you're kind of looking at that could, could be sold and, and where discussions are ongoing? Well, we're always looking at opportunities, uh, and, and good morning, Joe. Thanks for the question, too. Uh, you know, Blythe, I'll, I'll address that first. You know, that, as you know, it's contracted with Southern California through December of 23, um, and, and really with the recent, you know, rolling blackouts in California and the value of the grid, that's just been reinforced. So, you know, we, you know, it, it, it's really in a, in a strong position. So in, in terms of whether we were to have a potential sale there, it would have to be credit accretive, and, and otherwise we'd be happy to continue to collect our regular annual contracting cash flow. Um, and, and, well, uh, we're confident with MVP's completion uh, over time. Uh, clearly we're, we're looking to, to that to be uh, de-risked uh, before we would to monetize that. 
Uh, and so there's, that's pretty much the two. We, we're looking at other, you know, other t- opportunities with some marketing assets and, and such. Uh, but uh, generally speaking, those are the, those are our key non-core assets. Okay, great. Thank you. And then also wanted to ask, kind of on on the the propane export side, um, just there's the the competing terminal coming in into service soon, and they're they're also kind of talking about doing an expansion there. Um, does that impact any of your your plans to expand Prince Rupert or, or kind of thoughts there? And and just I guess kind of generally like how do those those two terminals um, compete with each other? Sure. I mean, again, our strategy is to continue to leverage our, our unique advantage, and it really comes down, you know, for us in terms of scale, efficiency, storage, and optimization. And so, you know, we believe that, you know, from a you know, competitive position, uh, our assets are least cost and, and provide you know, excellent markets for, for our customers. So, you know, we continue to look there. And we believe that, you know, overall, uh, you know, our Canadian uh, market is, is going to continue to be oversupplied. There's been a variety of different projects that have been canceled. So, you know, over the long term, we're, we continue to be you know, bullish uh, on, on our ability to grow uh, and expand our exports. We're we're pretty much laser focused in on 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 the logistics aspect of this and to continue to optimize our rail uh, cost uh, and efficiencies. And, and overall, Petrogas brings a significant scale and opportunity. Uh, and so, we're I think very well positioned to to continue to grow. Great. Thank you for taking my question. Your next question is from Linda Ezergelius with TD Securities. Your line is open. Thank you. Um, recognizing that uh, some of the commodity price um, strength um, starting uh, in 2021 has been a nice uh, tailwind, uh, more than offsetting uh, any sort of um, FX headwind. Um, can you give us a sense of when we look at your guidance range, um, it isn't that wide, uh, recognizing that uh, you've got a substantial proportion of your uh, cash flows and EBITDA um, fairly uh, secured. But I'm wondering what 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 are the bookends of like what what factors might we want to look at. Um, that might cause uh, you to exceed that guidance range, it looks like at this point, uh, but also uh, what could slip in the year in terms of extremely mild summer potentially in the utilities or something that might cause you to fall below uh, the lower end of your range. Right. Well, good morning, Linda. Thanks for the question. Um, you know, uh, we're off to a good start, right? We're off to a good start with our export business and our utility and, and, and in the utility, particularly, we have tailwinds associated with settling two rate cases. Um, so, in key drivers, right, we're on target to meet our goals on cargoes, uh, and the tailwinds that we have in the rate case that, uh, you know, uh, in our continued efficiency. So, you know, I think that there's there's opportunities uh, to continue to exceed uh, our targets, cargoes uh, as well, uh, and 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 to uh, exceed some of our. You know, cost savings initiatives going forward, but you know we reiterate our guidance. We're confident in, our, in, in where we're headed uh, going forward. James, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, you know I, I think you you touched on uh, the the impacts of some of the colder weather uh, on or around some of our marketing businesses in the U.S. as a as an area, and and just in terms of volumes, we're off to a strong start 
in terms of export volumes um, for, for 2021. Okay, so maybe I can um, ask this a different way as well. At what point uh, might management and the board uh, look at guidance again and have the confidence to potentially uh, modify the range potentially upwards? Is that a well, mid-year? I mean, Linda, we're, yeah. No, it's a, look, it's a good question. We're, we're still about seven weeks away from reporting Q1, and, and as that starts to come into a, a clear picture, we would update our guidance range at that point once we've got a a clear picture of what volumes will look like in terms of our export facilities and, and where um, our, our marketing businesses and especially in some of the areas where we saw strong pricing as a result of the polar vortex once we start to crystallize our views there then I would I would say that Q1 is where we would revisit guidance. Great that's helpful and recognizing that um, you've only gotten the keys to, to Petrogas uh, very recently and, and I appreciate that. I'm just wondering how you might evolve your understanding and timeline for achieving synergies on that front uh, over this year as well. Um, I would assume that Q1 would be a bit too soon for that, but but uh, maybe you can comment on any sort of uh, processes underway uh, to discover uh, what's possible there and uh, achieve that. No, no, great, great question, Linda. And um, you know, I'm, I'm excited about you know, Randy and his and what his team are doing and the Petrogas team. As I said in my you know, opening comments and, you know, giving us, uh, you know, the ability to load more ships, far more tools in our toolbox, logistics and optimizations. And so we've really focused on getting that team integrated in the best practices. Um, so we're very confident uh, in meeting our targeted synergies. Um, but Randy, you want to add to that? Uh, yeah. Uh, hi, Linda. Um, yeah, we've already realized some of the synergies, like you can imagine, uh, like, office cost and some certain G&A costs are, are almost immediate, uh, but we've also been able to rationalize our rail fleet. Uh, we do see some uh, other savings in rail and also, like Randy says, we, we do have more tools to play with and it has, it's helped us uh, achieve better margins already in, in Q1. So. Thank you. Our next question is from Robert Coutelier with CIBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. Hey, good morning, everyone. You touched on this a bit already, but I'd like to know what you're doing to mitigate the third-party logistic issues uh, you're having, and how does that uh, risk change with the acquisition and integration of uh, Petrogas? Yeah, good, good questions. I'm going to let Randy, you know, go into some of the details, but clearly, logistics, supply optimization, and having more storage for balancing and access to supply at the fort has been, you know, significant, and it's not a coincidence that we're hitting on all cylinders and we're moving in excess of 50,000 barrels a day at Rippet and the ships that we're moving. So, Randy? Uh, yeah, I think uh, what Randy said is, uh, is, is accurate. Uh, you know, we continue to work with our third parties. They, they, their performance has, has improved and uh, we see that continuing through uh, the rest of the year. So. Yeah, yeah, maybe Randy, uh, you can just comment. Uh, uh, on how much uh, you think is under control versus subject to the vagaries of uh, of uh, the rail industry. Sorry, go ahead, Randy. Sorry, Robert, what was that question? Yeah, maybe if you could just attribute how much you think is uh, the logistics issues is, are really under your control and can be mitigated through optimization, as opposed to some, you know, how much is really the result of third parties. Uh, well, well, you know, not 
third-party service providers are, uh, you know, they're not in our control, but what we do is we get strong contracts in place, we communicate a lot, and we're, we're uh, actually investing a lot in real-time uh, data, so we always know where our, uh, our cars are, and uh, we can make decisions quicker. Um, so, you know, it's just continuing to work with our third-party providers to provide better service, but that's all we can do. Yeah, and I think, look, we'll make investments in aggregation, uh, unit trains, that will, will help those logistics that are in our control, right, that we can build out and leverage the position that Petrogas has at the port, increase our efficiencies, improve logistics. So there's, there's steps that we can do uh, to help our third parties as well, you know, to increase productivity and efficiencies by putting these rails together, these aggregation yards, and shipping you know, more effectively and timely with the unit trains. And, and the team's all over that. Right, so it's a little bit more symbiotic then, okay. Uh, I'm just wondering, you know, we're, we're seeing obviously stronger netbacks for the producers and, you know, it looks like there's more egress options, uh, you know, on the way here. Um, so what are you expecting in terms of when you might see an increase in, uh, a meaningful increase in drilling activity or do you really expect uh, your producer customers to be circumspect with their capital throughout the entire year? Well, you know, again, I think uh, you know, we've seen some serious improvement in pricing. Uh, I think the consolidation that is occurring in the upstream business is creating stronger entities. And, you know, most of the guidance is that they're going to, you know, keep production, you know, at the 2020 levels in some cases. But, uh, you know, we're seeing behind Northeast BC ramp-ups that are ongoing. So I think that they're you know, upstream community will be prudent, um, but I think the price signals are such that you'll see some increased activity going forward. And uh, my final question um, just has to do with uh, Mountain Valley Pipeline. So, you know, do you have an updated view uh, as to what a sensible and service state might be? Well, I think, look, the, the um, you know, they, they, I've remained confident the pipeline's going to get built. It's 92% complete. Um, you know, they've, they've, um, they're waiting on the, 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 uh, NW, the nationwide permit. Well, they went ahead and filed with the FERC to outline individual permits. Um, and so we'll stick with the, uh, you know, the operators and our partners who are targeting uh, you know, and maintaining the 2021 in-service uh, target um, as we go forward. And there were a couple of positive events in terms of the you know, the D.C. Circuit ruling that they could continue construction activity uh, going forward and, and the extension of the certificate. So uh, I, uh, you know, they, I think they're continuing to make solid progress. So I don't want to get out in front of them on, their, on the date that they're looking at. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great, guys. Thank you. Your final question is from Robert Kwan with RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. Good morning. Um, if I can start with the, the midstream business, and you talked about you know, operational logistics, tolling at Ripit um, in terms of de-risking, and then you also talked about the Petrogas integration, but I'm just wondering, what other things do you envision um, for that segment before you feel you know, comfortable that you've got the footprint you need and, and that it's a mature business? And I guess mapping back to the comments you made on, on the third quarter, you know, conference call about the potential, uh, you know, down the road to, to split the business up? Sure. I mean, look, we've, uh, as I've said, Rob, we're focused on our corporate strategy of a diversified utility midstream business. And and so, well, you know, we continue to, you know, to believe that the, our unique and diversified strategy is the right one. 
Um, and so I don't think we should expect any news, you know, in that regard in terms of anything but executing on our, you know, plan uh, to continue to de-risk the asset, increase the volumes, and go through the integration of that. So that's our, that's our focus right now. We're in the early days of executing that strategy that we laid out last year, and, uh, and that's where I want and where our focus is and at the task at hand because it's a tremendous opportunity for us. So that's where we're going to be focused this year. And is there anything that you feel you need, whether that's M&A-wise or major project-wise, to fill in the footprint to reach um, that vision? Uh, well, look, we just did the M&A when we you know, acquired them, uh, which is increasing. You can see it in the results, increasing our efficiencies, driving down cost, improving margins. So, look, we're always on the lookout for opportunities that will strengthen, that will enhance the core business, right, and are opportunistically deploy capital. But, you know, it's only, like I said, the transaction is only a couple of weeks behind us. You know, in the near term, that's our, that's our focus, integration and optimization, um, and, but we'll always evaluate any opportunities that um, you know throughout our business. Uh, but I don't, we don't necessarily believe that we are on the cusp of any major M&A in the Canadian midstream market at this point. Got it. Um, if I can just finish the small question, just on your retail business, um, based on what you've seen to date in the in the first quarter, can you just just some color on performance, um, just given weather events can can often swing these businesses, uh, the results. No, fair question, Rob. No, we're fine. And if you look at the weather, we're on the, you know, most of us is in the, uh, the Washington, Maryland area, and, and, and most of this weather event clearly was in the majority in Texas and the mid-continent. So our retail business and our risk management has been, uh, is in good shape. If you were prepared for even just the cold snap that happened on, on the East Coast? Yeah. Yeah, we've been, I mean, look, the, you know, those full requirement schedules, but we have storage and, uh, no, we, uh, they've done an excellent job in good shape. That's great. Thank you. This concludes the Q&A portion of today's call. I'll now turn the call back to Mr. McKnight for closing remarks. Thanks, Megan. And thank you, everyone, once again for joining our call today and for your interest in Alta Gas. As a reminder, we will be available after the call for any follow-up questions that you might have. That concludes our call this morning, and I hope uh, you all enjoy the rest of your day. You may now disconnect your phone lines. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.